0: And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful.
1: I have a bad feeling about this.
0: What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what?
1: It's the good, the bad, and the what? lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm actually, I'm actually in a hotel room. I'm on the go for work, so if my audio sounds different... I apologize. Uh, Hopefully, it sounds okay. Um, But we we have a lot to talk about today, so I'll just go ahead and kick it over to you to uh, announce uh, our category and to discuss the picks and why we're talking about them.
0: Yeah, uh, so I said uh, last week that uh, I wanted to get into uh, alien assimilation, uh, which is one of my favorite subgenres. And so then I decided in making the picks to really dig down and go into the sub -sub subgenre, since, of course, there are. Uh, multiple different you know ways in which you could approach this um but i wanted to go by specifically the slug variety and uh i i think we'll get into a pretty interesting conversation um you know all three of these movies have a pretty simple bare bones structure about them um but then you know just by adding sort of the spice of life of your screenwriter your director your cast uh you know different um different ways that you want to approach the theme you can get sort of a grab bag of of different results i think as we'll see and uh, i think the conversation should hopefully be pretty interesting
1: yeah i'm looking forward to it it was really interesting um to watch all three of these movies in a row and go oh (laughs) they pretty much have the same plot almost down to a t um but like you said of course the ingredients that make them all different so um, without further ado, why don't you go ahead and announce the movies, and we'll, we'll get into our first one.
0: Of course. Uh, so, yeah, the, the first one, and uh, uh, up top, up front, I, uh, this I'm hoping that I'm not going to offend anybody. I think because of how closely related and structured these movies are, uh, an argument could be made for any of these movies to end up in the good, the bad, and the what. This is totally my personal preference uh, upon rewatch of these, and... Um, I know Ryan and I have uh, a disagreement about where uh, two of these movies land, and so hopefully that'll come up in the conversation. But for the good, I chose Slither from 2006, directed by James Gunn. For the bad, I chose The Faculty from 1998, directed by Robert Rodriguez or Bob Rod. And Night of the Creeps is the what from 1986, directed by Fred Decker. Um, And I think just up top, I wanted to give sort of a, a blanket... Synopsis uh, When a small town is besieged by alien slugs From outer space bent on transforming The population into mindless drones Hapless group of townies must work together to evade and destroy The heinous hive mind That is what I wrote down for my synopsis of Slither and then as I went forward to write the Synopsis of the other two I realized I could Just plug and play small town With high school or uh, 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 Instead of hapless Townies it's a group of students Or a, a detective And a awkward student um, so they very much are the same movie, but just with enough of a bend to each one that you get completely different qualities.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, even further, you know, high school and college mm-hmm. in, in the case of the other two movies in a small town. So yep. I'm pretty sure all three of them are small towns anyway. So yeah, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head with that one synopsis. You mm-hmm. just describe all three movies.
0: And I, I think thematically as well, um, it's we would be remiss to not mention sort of the and i mean we don't even have to mention it the movies themselves mention it the uh the the obvious inspirations that they had um coming from the 1950s and sort of the red scare of you know the communists among us it bore a lot of different stories that were about assimilation terror and you know who are your neighbors really um and Mm -hmm. I, i think the ones that really came out of this era um, went on to influence uh, several movies were uh, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which gets a name drop in the faculty, um, and uh, The Thing is also uh, the probably the very popular one, and I think we said also early on in one of our episodes that there are some movies that we consider too good to put in the good category since the comparison is just not fair. Like, if I would have put mm-hmm. The Thing in the good here, then it doesn't like there's really no even not even a sake of argument, <laughs> like pretty much anything yeah. else that you put up against it is going to have to end up in the other two categories, and it makes it a bit less fun. So, hopefully, For sure. these ones I think are all sort of similar in uh, similar in, in sort of their uh, how renowned they are or how beloved they are. And hopefully, we can have a bit of a back and forth. And you know, maybe we'll come out the other end of this and we'll have a completely different order to the list, but figure we'll start with Slither. Um, I kind of just want to let you start and give your impressions of, of Slither. Was th- This was not your first watch, correct?
1: No, 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 no. And we'll get into it with the other two movies. The other two were first-time right. watches for me. Um, but Slither was not. I, I saw Slither. I think I saw Slither after I saw Super. I'm pretty sure Super was the first of James Gunn's movies that I watched. Um, and then I went back and watched Slither, um, which it... it had i watched slither probably in 2006 when it came out because i remember seeing tv spots Mm -hmm. for this movie uh i remember the trailer or at least like the bathtub scene was Mm -hmm. like kind of front and center in the in the marketing and i remember it it, uh being played like a more serious horror movie and so i feel like had i gone with that expectations i might have been a little disappointed but because I went and watched Slither after I watched Super. And I was like, oh yeah, the person who made Super definitely made this movie. There's not, not a question. Oh, yeah. um, no, I think I think Slither... Um, you know, you said we're going to get into a slight disagreement. Spoiler, Slither is not the one we're going to disagree on. I think this movie's a lot of fun. Um, I was very curious to re-watch it and kind of go back to... Um, this is not a trauma movie, um, like James Gunn started his career in, but it certainly has that similar DNA. It's it's very like, you know, characters are very their archetypes are very much cranked to eleven. Like the violence is cranked to eleven. It's got, you know, we go back to our first episode where we talked about the Toxic Avenger, which is pretty much the cornerstone of trauma entertainment. Like this has that same vibe of it. But what I really took to this time, and especially you know, in the wake of James Gunn going on to do much bigger movies, having done the two guardians, of the galaxy movies, having done uh, the suicide squad recently, Mm -hmm. um, these big, massive, but massive productions, um, that, that, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit sanded, but, but still very much carry. I think his personality as a filmmaker, um, which is certainly rare in the sort of like cogs in the machine. And so, Uh, Going back and watching this movie and seeing just how good he is at that sort of and why I I like him as opposed to like uh, other filmmakers that have come from that trauma background is that he can amp things up to 11, but he knows how to do it in a way that pretty much I would say disarms you as the viewer and then sort of gets you to care about the things that are happening. Mm -hmm. Like you think it's going to be a lark overall and then it kind of slowly peels back the layers and then you see okay this is how this character feels this is how that character feels and there's actually like flesh and blood characters underneath that and so the movie's goofy it's really goopy it's really disgusting i i I, I, there are images in this movie that will never leave leave my brain um especially one uh hesitant to call it a sex scene but let's let's call it what it is at least intending to do that i'm just like uh, i can't cannot believe that uh, even though yeah it's a small horror movie cannot let believe any major studio <laughs> let them get away with that but um and it's funny too because it's like there are little things too i was a little worried going back about like things that i've grown a bit a little bit allergic to mm-hmm. uh in the years since uh one of them is like heavy uh like referencing of other movies which we'll definitely get into with our other two movies i think they definitely do it a bit more here it's a bit more subtle it's mostly just names on different um like things in this small south carolina town it's like mcready's hardware store mcready of course kurt russell's character in the thing so we already i'm sure the thing is going to come up a lot in this Mm -hmm. episode that's number (laughs) one um it said like max Wren's. uh like uh flower shot max wren is um james wood scumbag uh his character <laughs> in videodrome um hennenlotter's like festival yeah. the festival's like Lauder's festival of course that i'm sure most everything james gunn has done is indebted to basket case and brain damage filmmaker frank hennenlotter oh, yes. very evident and so um but like that didn't bother me um someone who I used to like as a performer and don't really too much anymore is Nathan Fillion. Hmm. Uh, I'm not a brown coat. I'm certainly not a Joss Whedon fan. Um, even before things in real life came out about him, I'm not a fan of his writing. I've never been a big fan of that, but not, I don't like the show castle. I just think he's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, like a Bruce Campbell, but not as cool. Like, he comes and kind (laughs) of just makes... Like, he just shows up in a role, gets paid for a day, and he's like goofy, and it's like, hey, it's that guy. But it's like, he's just not as cool. But, like, he's actually really good in this movie. Like, I actually thought he was really solid, and and it was nice to see that. Um, Of course, Michael Rooker, who's, like, the... Uh, who's like the uh, uh, to James Gunn with De Niro is to Scorsese. Yeah. Like he's in every James Gunn movie uh, who's fantastic in this movie as well. I think everyone across the board is pretty great. Um, but yeah, I, I I was there were certain things I was a little leery about, like wondering if it would hold up. But I, yeah. I still think this movie is a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, I, I was very much the same. It's been a number of years. I, I also think that the first time I saw Slither was after I saw um, Super. Uh, which is a great movie. Super will probably come up uh, in in a future episode as yeah. well. I love Super, um, but I I was very leery of those things. But I think uh, I mean, even with his recent popularity, more people are starting to recognize the name James Gunn. It's a shame that back when this movie came out, that I mean, they didn't or he didn't have the clout that he did because this movie pretty famously tanked. Uh, uh, I mean, it was critically acclaimed. People, you know, the critics I saw it did enjoy it for what it was, but. It did not get the audience. It was pretty much like panned and, and disowned and shunned. Um, it, it's since gotten a bit of a revival and a cult following, which it deserves, and that's great. But I think it's definitely something that's that's worth talking about. And I think it's it, not just because of um, not just because of James Gunn's tone and the way that he approaches things. I, I really like the the way that his comedy and, and violence is is blended to. Not make f- light of the violence or the gross things that you're seeing, but to sort of give you a grounded sense of discomfort. Where mm-hmm. if you yourself are in a, a, um, a, a, a situation where you're more or less in shock and you don't know what to do, I mean, comedy is a is a coping mechanism, and I feel like a lot of the times in the movies, the things that are played for comedic effect are meant to be sort of a um, a cathartic release for the audience and for the characters that are finding themselves in that situation of like, what in the fuck is going on here? And you sort of have to laugh to stop from screaming. And I really yes. like that sort of balance and tone that he's able to pull off.
1: Absolutely. No, I I, I think that's a really good. And I love too that this movie is doesn't it it is. I mean, I wouldn't say a slow burn from the standpoint of like the movie's pretty like it gets right into it in terms of like okay the alien lands and then the alien finds uh, michael brooker's character out in the woods and then uh, assimilates him and then uh, like we're off to the races but mm-hmm. as far as like as far as the scope i guess of what happens when those things take over you it's it's a bit of a slow burn sure. in terms of like he starts to feel like sweaty not good he's craving meat mm-hmm. <laughs> i love that scene with the grocery store where he's like he's like give me six t-bones no way eight no uh, Make it twelve. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, having a party, something like that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and,
1: and so, <laughs> well, and I, I, love that
0: structure too. In that, I mean, typically a movie, and and we'll see with uh, other movies that we're going to talk about in this episode. Typically, um, when they start this small town uh, sort of story or build up, they introduce you to the main characters and then give you their perspective on the small town, so that when things start to change then you, too, are realizing with them that, like, something's off here, something's weird, it's not, things aren't reacting the way that they are. And the way that this approaches... Um, Michael Rooker's character is basically the main character at the beginning of the movie, and then everyone else is, you know, ancillary. They're, they're just members of the community that are around. And they get introduced in their, you know, more or less way, where, you know, Nathan Fillion is, you know, speaking to um, the other sheriffs at, at, like, a soccer game, and they introduce the mayor... Um, who's like uh, uh, yelling obscenities at somebody in the street, and then one of his constituents is just like, "Hi, Mayor," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I, yeah. I, I love that little reveal shot. But it's I so love funny. That they, I love that they introduce that sort of um, that setup of uh, we we get a half of a movie that's basically body horror of watching mm-hmm. Michael Rooker slowly deteriorate, and we're not sure what's happening with him. And it becomes a bit of a horror movie Sort of like almost a a Domestic violence um, Sort of situation Or or like uh, even That that could have been possibly uh, What he's going for Because before it turns into a full-fledged invasion movie It's very much a like Michael Brooker is a monster In the home And we're waiting to see if uh, uh, Starla, his wife played by Elizabeth Banks Is going to Recognize the danger under her nose and get out before she herself is a victim.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that whole thing, and that's and and I think that goes back to what we're talking about with Gunn being so deft at balancing, you know, not only his comedy and his horror, but also interlacing it with drama, mm-hmm. um, because it isn't because it, it does do a he does a great job in those moments of again building tension within that where it's like you know because we already even i would say even before he starts assimilating people i would say there's even you know there's even tension in their relationship prior to him even getting assimilated himself in the first place um you know there's a tension uh, and and almost everyone's kind of talking behind their backs a little bit of like because um he's much older than she is right and so the whole town kind of is like oh like why you know why would she marry him like what what did she see in him and and you know basically you know saying like hey he put her through college and all that stuff like wouldn't you take that or whatnot and so people are already kind of like leery about that relationship at the first place so it's very clear that there's something going on and so so it just sort of drives that further when he gets assimilated, and so it just it makes it makes you feel tense because you're like I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm scared for Elizabeth Banks' life in this situation, and I'm scared for like the other people in the the movie as well. And um yeah, it does he does a really good job of that, and I think that's honestly what I feel makes this movie what it is. It'd be one thing if it was just again like just a, a funny, silly, like goopy horror movie, which I think it is, mm-hmm. but the fact that there's a lot of underlying Drama underneath it, I think, I think makes it work.
0: Well, yeah, and it's sort of <clears throat> the way that the, the the tone jumps and the scale builds is mm-hmm. extremely satisfying because, I mean, like, the the, the sort of small scale, uh, um, uh, it sort of starts out like the blob where, uh, you know, um, yeah. in the blob, the, the homeless man in the woods finds the blob, pokes it with a stick, and it jumps to his hand. And then, you know, it starts there, and then it grows and becomes bigger. This more or less starts like that, where he finds, like, the little slug thing out in the woods. He pokes it with a stick, and then he gets... Um, it shoots... Uh, uh, it's really gross. It shoots, like, a little slug thing into his chest, which burrows into his body. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get, like, a shot that I don't really like, but it... it, it we get it, but, like, it, it does, like, a um, an X-ray shot of it going up into his brain. I don't think it was necessary, but... Um, from there, you know, like, okay, so now he's infected, more or less. So now it becomes a sort of, like, um, like I was saying, like, an allegory for domestic violence of, like, there, there is, like, this monster hiding underneath the, the uh, visage of, of this woman's husband, and is she going to realize in time? But then he goes and, uh, basically, uh, he, he has, like, that growth thing on his stomach, which are, like, those spindly little worms with hooks on them, which is just slimy and gross and goopy. And you think he's going to attack uh, Elizabeth Banks um, while showering, but he, like, can't bring himself to do it. He still has enough humanity left to where he he doesn't want to do that. But he goes over to, like, an ex... Like, not even an (laughs) ex-girlfriend. She's, like, the little sister of some girl he knew from school or something like that.
1: Yeah, Brenda. Brenda, right. Yeah.
0: it goes over to her house and basically like attacks and like impregnates her with like the worm goo stuff. And it's like the way that it slowly builds into like, okay, so now it's not just one person we got to worry about. Now there's two people. What is he planning to do there? But then when he quickly starts falling apart and, um, he's all like, like mutated and, and his, like his face is all fucked up and he's got like a, a tentacle arm and shit and that's when they sort of introduced the townsfolk who now realize, like, okay, something odd is going on here, it very quickly, you know, rubber to the road takes off, and people are are very quickly started to be assimilated and um, attacking, and something about, like, this one is a weird cross between what we're going to see in The Faculty and in uh, Night of the Creeps, where these are pretty much zombies, but they're not run-of-the-mill in any way whatsoever. Like, they're intelligent, they're running, and for, I mean, at least for the first while, they um, aren't openly... uh, Monsters are mutated. Uh, They they very quickly, like, start to rot and bubble up and and grow worms and stuff like that and look really gross. But for the first little while, they still will try and, like, trick people into... Like and play upon emotions and like you know, um, th- there's the the portion later in the farmhouse where like the Strodemeyer family, um, they all get assimilated except for the one daughter and she is hiding in the car that she's locked herself in and the family's outside the car being like, hey, uh, it's family fun night or something and yes. trying to like get her to come <laughs> out of the car, which is like it's it's funny and it, it, it like gets a laugh out of you but at the same time it's also like sort of the core of this kind of horror is that it's it's sort of terrifying to put yourself into a situation where like those that you know and love are no longer those that you know and love and they want to actively
1: do you harm exactly and the fact that the 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 further uh fear feeling in that scene it, you know to build off your point of saying at least before they start to deteriorate they're still a sort of sense of themselves mm. but just slightly off so when like Nathan Fillion shows up and sees that that's attack like that they're attacking them and he says hey what's going on here she's like they're trying to kill me and he's like oh no officer it's fine we're just having like a, a laugh or if we're having a family game night yeah. like being able to flip that switch back to being like no we're not crazed and chasing after her. what are you talking about
0: well and then uh, Nathan Fillion has that line where he's like, what's, he's like what's wrong with your arm and his arm's all bubbly and gross he's like I've gotten some uh, poison ivy in the backyard, maybe? He <laughs> tries to play it off. Yes. And then there's, like, the shot that's, like, sort of like the Shining Twins of the two little girls who are infected. And they go, we're itchy. <laughs> it's
1: it's, yes. it's
0: cut together so well. It always gets, like, a giggle out of me.
1: It's so good. It, 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 it you know, like I said, you know, like we've already kind of gone back around. He, just, he knows how to cut for that comedic effect while also making it. Terrifying, which I guess, like, which also makes this movie, I feel like, unique in the realm of horror comedies uh, as well. Because when you look at horror comedies as a whole, um, and and I guess, well, I guess, well, I'll save which one doesn't do well when we get to it. But I think (laughs) that, like, I think, like, the problem with a lot of horror comedies um, is that they tend to swing more towards the comedy. Like, the horror is almost ancillary. Like, it's just like, okay, there's some, like, gore, or there's some horror, like, you know, jump scares, but, like, the movie is largely a comedy. Where, you know, Slither, I feel like, is akin to something like Scream or Evil Dead 2. I don't think it's quite as good as either of those movies, um, necessarily. It's a bit, like I said, it's a bit rough around the edges. It's his, I think, second film. Mm -hmm. Tromeo and Juliet, I believe, is his first movie. Um, But, like, it balances the scares and the laughs so perfectly to where it's like yeah it's funny but it's also really horrifying at the same time and i i like that i like when a horror to me that's that's a sign of like a really deft filmmaker is like if you can pull off horror comedy and have it be a 1 to 1 as opposed to like a 2 to 1 uh, or 3 to 1 even in the case of most horror comedies then that's that's no small feat
0: 100% agree uh i i think the 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 Portions that I, I think it all works here, and and uh, it, like you can argue to, to varying degrees of, of which one works, but I think there's there's enough there. The characters are are uh, are satisfying. That they're not um, you know overly tropish, um, and sort of the slow burn reveal of how widespread and how dangerous this thing is. Um, it, it, it it keeps you sort of you keep being surprised by it at every turn where you, you think that you have an idea of where this is going and then it introduces some new element and you're like oh okay shit well there's like um, some lady in a barn uh, who is you know uh, you know giant like beach ball she looks like Violet uh, from uh, uh, Willy Monk and the Chocolate Factory and then she explodes into worms and then they show that the, that the worms assimilate people and they can shoot acid which will melt your face off if it hits you and then like then, like, they show, like, how quickly people are able to change into them, which is just, like, a matter of moments. Um, and then there's a scene of, uh, the girl, when the, the, the Studemaker family is getting, uh, or Studermeyer uh, they're, they're getting assimilated. The one girl gets a slug in the mouth, and it partially, like, starts connecting with her, and she has, like, a grand vision of, like, a, a planet that's covered in these worm things. It's, like, taking over yeah. other races, and, like, It's it's Lovecraftian in its scale of having like this hive mind um, that is like grander and beyond anything that we've ever seen on this planet. Like this is something that's interdimensional and and, and, like it's ancient uh, almost in its knowledge and like it's. I love sort of that. It's really hard to do Lovecraftian horror well, um, Mm -hmm. because it deals with insanity. And so then how do you how do you like how do you properly sort of portray insanity on, on film uh it's very difficult to do so then I, I think it's really intelligent to sort of hint at how big this is gonna go but not quite go there it doesn't quite leave this small town but it's enough to let you know what the stakes are which i think is just it's a really great choice
1: agreed and i think it fits more like you know like you said lovecraftian is hard but i feel like the ones i feel like the ones that do pull it off are the smaller scale sure. which you know you could say even this is indebted to like Stuart gordon's films uh mm-hmm. like reanimator and from beyond like especially from beyond i feel like shares a very very direct kinship to something like this um in which like you can um you know you you, you it's hard to show insanity but if you could show the sort of like you, whatever physical manifestation of it you can um which this movie certainly does right. then i think you can pull it off and so yeah i think i think that's a, another good point uh, as well to to build off it's just like that like and we were saying or you were saying at the start where it's like it starts as like body horror and then it becomes like a, a you know an invasion of the body snatchers or even like night of the living dead um you know and we have lovecraftian just like the sheer amount of horror type of horror that is blended into this movie as well um like is impressive like it doesn't like and it's not done so in a way that's like making it feel like it's overstuffed. Uh, No pun intended. Like, it just feels like... It it feels, like, organic to the situation. Gets to throw some, like, crazy things here and there, such as that vision you're referring to. Mm -hmm. But it all feels... It all feels of a piece.
0: Yeah, and it it all feels... I mean, organic, for lack of a better word, I guess. Uh, Yeah. The way that it's able to to build upon itself. Up until the end of the movie, where, like, we're we're into full-on... Uh, full on shunting territory near the end there, where the um, the infected are sort of body assimilating into Grant and making this big amorphous like flesh bucket. Um, where I'm glad that you mentioned uh, from Beyond because uh, 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 Michael Brooker by the end of this movie uh, looks like Doctor uh, Pretorius. Um, yes, when he's in the machine. Uh, he's got that same, like, like mouth, uh, uh, like, exposed teeth because his face is being, like, pulled in, in one direction and stuff. Um, which is, like, a really neat uh, sort of look. But I think, and I don't know if it's worth it to spoil the movie or spoil the ending, but I, like, I want to talk about the end of the movie and just yeah. how... Go f-
1: Go for it. It's a it's a fifteen year old movie. I think, I think it's that's, it's probably fair. That's I think fair. it's fair. Yeah.
0: Uh, so okay, well, spoilers, I guess skip ahead, I don't know, maybe, you know, three minutes or however it takes us to get over this, but it's so incredibly bleak and I would not blame anybody for hating the end of this movie. Uh uh but like usually in assimilation stories it's you know, we find we find the one responsible for this we kill the hive mind host, or you know, we, we kill the original vampire, or you know, any number of iterations of this story. And then anyone that is touched and affected, they will change back to normal and will have our loved ones back and everything. And the end of this movie, they <laughs> he he pumps Grant full of uh, gas. I think it's like propane. I'm not sure. It's coming from a, a gas tube of some sort. Of it's thing. gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. Gasoline, and then pumps it full of that. They shoot him. He explodes and dies. And the end of this movie is them, like, leaving the house in the morning, like, walking out. And everyone is dead. Like, er everyone that was connected to Grant, like, when when the hive mind died, it killed all of the hosts. And so there's just corpses littered all over the yard, all up and down the road. (laughs) We don't know how far this thing got, so we have no idea what the body count is. And it's like... I mean... Oh, I, I was kind. Of, I was shocked by it. Like that, that's not yeah. even like the the sort of undertone of there being comedy and sort of being a, a lighter feel to it. I was not expecting it to be that sort of like cynical at the end of it.
1: Yeah, it's like the ending of The Mist, which came out a year after yes. it. I mean this. I mean, what I was going to say. The, the story came out first, but even Stephen King's story doesn't end that way. No. but yeah, it, it's 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 it. Which again goes into how and we keep keep saying it just how mm-hmm. deft a tone james Wan is able or not james Wan, jesus james gunn <laughs> excuse me um how deft a tone james gunn is able to achieve with this movie mm-hmm. because it's like it is it is silly but there's a lot of stakes uh it's hor- horrific it's comedic and then boom just bleak yeah <laughs> absolute bleak ending and it's just like wow you went for it and you 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 pulled it off too, which is even more impressive. Like it wasn't just a swing and a miss. It's like, no, that hits, but Oh boy. Yeah. That's rough. That's
0: yeah. That's the main thing is I'd say that it's earned and, and like, yeah, usually like that would be such a, a bummer ending because you like, you want things to go back to normal. You expect things to go back to normal, but after everything that we've seen and how bad things got, every, everyone in the town being dead, is still considered a win because of like they were so close to like the the doom of everybody on earth really if it would have continued spreading that it like it feels earned that that they it, this is still a victory
1: yeah which is again harsh bleak but it makes sense in the context of the story Absolutely. for sure man yeah no it was i, I had it had been so long. I had almost forgot that that was how the movie mm-hmm. ended until then it got there. I was like, Oh shit. That's right. That's how this ends. <laughs> which Oof.
0: is in direct contrast to what we see happen in the next choice of the faculty,
1: which this one, Ooh, good segue.
0: <laughs> this one was a first time watch for you. Yes. Um. And so I, 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 I want to know your thoughts. I know how you feel about the first 10 minutes of the movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but I, I would like to know just general overview of what you thought of the faculty.
1: I think most listeners would be shocked to find that I did not dislike this movie, mm-hmm. and in fact, actively liked. I would say probably the second half of the movie. Sure. Um, I because I, I've been on the record, not a big Robert Rodriguez fan. You can go back to our episode where we talk about From Dust Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. I think it's episode seven. Go ahead and give it a listen. Uh, We talked about Kevin Williamson back on episode three. We talked about both Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to bring that up specifically because I feel like this movie, while not a total hit for me, I I do not consider this a bad movie. And I, I feel like it's almost the opposite of I Know What You Did Last Summer. And what I mean by that is if you go back and listen to the episode, I... Sort of made the argument of that being not quite a bad movie, a uh, missed opportunity of a movie, sure. But I had mentioned how, to Williamson's credit, I think that the script is a really, for that movie, was like an actually well done, like, um, approximation of a Giallo, like an American mm-hmm. version of a Giallo. Mm-hmm. But it's really blandly directed, uninspired filmmaker, and a pretty rough cast, yeah. which also could be in direct, you know, with the, the, the direction. Um but this is like the opposite in which at least for the first half, well especially the first ten minutes, and then I think it does still kinda even out. I was like I was not with Williamson's script on this movie. <laughs> like I was it was very much in the like in the scream vein, but it wasn't like Scream in which they're, you know, playing with the tropes and whatnot. Right. And so like I was Really frustrated with the dialogue of it. But in contrast, I think Robert Rodriguez, I said this on our From Dust Tell Done episode, and I, I believe it, even though I don't like that movie very much. I think when he works with somebody, with either a writer or a creative collaborator, with some clout, his movies don't look like they were shot for $10 at the back of Troublemaker Studios. <laughs> and so this movie is actually like pretty sleek i would say it's pretty sleekly made um it's really well done i think it actually has some genuinely good set pieces in it um and then also in contrast to something like i know you did last summer the cast i think is terrific i think the cast really makes this movie uh shine to me um you know a terrific cast of of people i mean young actors at the time Mm -hmm. but you know terrific cast of um um I'll pick that up. A terrific cast of of uh, Elijah Wood and Clea Duvall, Josh Hartnett, Jordana Brewster. Um, just just from top to bottom, Usher in a yeah. small role. Very small. Role. <laughs> Very small. Uh, and then you have. Yeah, I forgot John. Well, not forgot. I didn't know John Stewart was in the movie because I'd never seen this movie mm-hmm. before. I forgot John Stewart was like acted in movies <laughs> uh, before he was before he hosted the Daily Show. Um, but then you have a terrific, um, you know, supporting adult cast: Selma Hayek, Famke Jameson, Piper Laurie. Um, Piper Laurie from Twin Peaks who like the second she showed up I was like okay things are going to be up with these characters uh Robert Patrick and also I will say I uh, another of the adult actors I really enjoyed even though he's not in it very much and how I at least kind of finally fell on board the tone of the movie just a smidge is when Christopher McDonald yes. shows up Shooter <laughs> McGavin himself as as Elijah Wood's dad I was like okay okay you're not taking this too seriously I can appreciate that Yeah um I would I guess I'll say yes the first 10 minutes I thought this was going to be like the worst fucking thing I was really like agitated it starts with the needle drops are bad and they persist throughout the movie but it starts with the kids aren't all right by the offspring Mm -hmm. underscoring a football game and I was like wait isn't this the song about all the kids that they grew up with like OD'd and died and (laughs) like had babies as teenagers I was like that doesn't fit the tone of this at all. Um, and then like, and then like, we get a one-two punch appearance of of known uh, IRL scumbags mm-hmm. uh, of Danny Masterson for like a scene or two. Harry Knowles of Ain't It Cool News shows up, and I was just like, oh my god, get me the fuck out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Why are these like, ugh? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it does have Williamson sort of referentialness. You know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is yeah. name checked. They they have a whole conversation about that. Um, But then I do think the movie, and this is maybe, you know, where we'll sort of disagree. But I think when the movie sort of pivots um, to, it's very much pivots to being like The Thing. There's Mm -hmm. one scene in particular that very much is is the exact same as the Petri dish scene from The Thing. But I feel like as opposed to, I guess we already talked about our disagreement, as opposed to the next movie we're going to talk about. I feel like the movie ramps up and adds some stakes to it. Sure. Um, Which like got me reinvigorated in the movie Um, instead of like actual, instead of it kind of just fizzling out or kind of keeping the same sort of like we're not sure what tone we're going for type movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that the movie the movie really finds its stride and it's like a ramp up because it's like even in the stuff I don't like it was starting to win me over with like certain performances and certain little things that it was doing here and there and then it finally kind of like by the midpoint i was totally on board the movie sure um i agree it does not end as bleak as uh as slither it it ends more or less in a a, probably a more you know optimistic ending for pretty much most people involved well not everybody some some regards sure In some regards (laughs) i guess not too too optimistic but um you know it, but it ends not as bleak, I guess, is, is probably the way to put it. But yeah. overall, um, I'll kick it back to you because I went way too long. But yeah, <laughs> first time watching The Faculty, I did not mind it. Um, I actually enjoyed some of it. I would not uh, call it a bad. Um, but yeah, at, at the start, I was about ready to. But by the end, I was I was definitely on board more of what the movie was trying to, to sell.
0: Sure. Um, I So I think... I think that we agree on, on a singular point. When the movie full-on tried to do more things like The Thing and ramp up the, the, the points of, of paranoia is when I started to get more interested in it. Um, the The movie itself is... And I, I know that you said that you don't like movies that are that are self-referential, and we'll get into the next one being... Or not self-referential, but, like, too referential of, of other movies before it. And I, mm-hmm. I agree to an extent. Like, there there's a difference between um, you know, blink and you miss it uh, you know, shop names or or things that are on doors or something that are in the background that you catch on a second or third viewing and your entire cast of characters having the names of prominent horror movie directors of the era Um, those are two very very different things but I think some of the things that the faculty did that bugged me is that it's it sort of itself is a amalgamation of a ton of different movies in in its style and its story structure and the elements that it's involved. And I I, I sort of want to break that down a little bit since of course you, you mentioned the thing and that there's definitely there's that scene later on in the movie when our our, our cast of students who are all, you know, they are they're set in stone uh uh separate i'm the jock i'm the nerd i'm the goth girl i'm the preppy girl like they even have dialogue that was very grating uh of them like v- calling out this is my specific clique that i fit into and when i try to leave my clique uh like uh, um uh, Stan, the, the jock kid played by Sean, uh, is it, uh, Hattosi, uh, he was like, I want to study. I, everyone, uh, uh, worships me and thinks that I'm great because I'm a good quarterback, but I want to study and be a smart brainiac kid, and his uh, girlfriend, uh, played by Jordana, uh, Jordana Brewster, uh, is like, w- I'm the preppy girl, though, so I can't date you if you're not the jock, which, I don't know if high school kids are, like, that self-aware of, like, the, the, the certain cliques and, and groups that they've sort of cornered themselves into and that any, any attempt to, like, shake uh, the, the rules of the hierarchy is, is like, a, a no-no or a faux pas. Um, some of that stuff just came off really weird and sort of ham-fisted and, and like, they were trying to have this commentary of, like, a, a single-source hive mind coming in and, and, you know, forcibly breaking those groups apart. Or, or, you know, assimilating them into one and it's your individuality that makes you stronger. Um, I thought it was just really... I, I didn't think that Element was handled very well. Especially because by the end of the movie, um, it doesn't matter. Like they, they, they don't at any point pull into, like, well, the jock needs to use his... Uh, needs to use his physical prowess like he throws something because he's a uh, quarterback and they they barely get you know the drug he has to throw that uh uh you know over the heads of a bunch of guys and because he's the quarterback and because he has that strength and that individuality he's able to overcome or the nerd kid has like this separate knowledge like i didn't feel like they had specialization skills that related back to what they set up earlier in the movie so i felt like it was really strange that they were really trying to make a point of it and then it sort of just got dropped
1: yeah I, I feel I, I, I don't disagree from the standpoint of I think that you know it probably was trying to tie into the greater themes and I don't disagree in terms of it being annoying. I don't <laughs> I don't want to say we're reading too much into it but I, that to me that's the stuff that felt like we should also note. Um if we didn't upfront the the story of this movie. It was written by uh David Wetcher and Bruce Kimmel. Mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson came on and wrote the script. Right. So this this felt like a okay, this is a good idea this is like a 50 uh, approximation of a fifties B movie and we're going to do it in the nineties. So who's hot right now for this? Oh, let's get Kevin Williamson mm-hmm. because he's coming off the of scream and I know what you did last summer. And this felt more like a, just do your thing sort of thing. So to me, that's the stuff that felt like, cause you know, we talked about scream, we went long on scream. There's no need to go too far <laughs> on it here, but you know how Scream is like you know oh if I was in the horror movie you know like mm-hmm. what if you were the killer in the horror movie like they, they they do that sort of thing and so I feel like they were trying he's trying to do that here with basically like the Breakfast Club like I feel sure. like if if I, I I sure the the writers who wrote the story's initial pitch was probably like it's the Breakfast Club meets invasion of the body snatchers mm-hmm. like i guarantee you that was probably the pitch <laughs> meeting i don't know for sure i didn't just assume uh and so I, I to me i think that's like the williamson stuff where it's like like where scream obviously there's such a payoff to that sort of like tongue-in-cheek meta-ness where in this movie there just isn't it just is like oh it, it was sort of i i would say a miss a misreading or a miscalculation of like what made scream work mm-hmm and without the, ele- without the other half of that equation. And so I, I'm right there with you in terms like I, I do think it's annoying and I, I didn't like it. It didn't, by the time it shed it, like I said, it didn't bother me by the time it sort of like shed right. that sort of like style of, of the movie. Um, but you're right. If it, if it was going for anything greater thematically, it whiffed. If it was just a merely like, okay, this is what we're going to point out, the cliches so that other people don't. Then it's like, okay, I'm not going to forgive that. But if that's all you were doing, then right. I can forgive it be, uh, to a certain extent because it, it largely drops that.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree. Once it you know, once it gets going into like the main plot and it's more or less like, these six kids against you know what feels like the world, then I I think it works much better because um, like you stop paying attention to that sort of thing I just wish that there would have been more there because we spent so much time with them like calling that out and setting it up and get, giving everyone their own individual freeze frame title card um yeah and, and oh god
1: that that was the other thing I hated in the first like 10 15 <laughs> I minutes too. I was like oh we're doing this all the freeze now. Um, uh, yeah that that it, you know that reminds me of like you know when when Rodriguez tries to do Tarantino which yep. Tarantino is already like referencing so many things but that just was like this is like a bad. It's like a bad oh, yeah. instinct. <laughs> it drove me nuts.
0: Well, and um, the I want to talk about some of the elements, and I, I started talking about it, and then I got completely sidetracked. Um, uh, like, so because this is, of course, they they name drop Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and there's a huge sort of element of of this being Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The way that the faculty sort of acts um, uh, is very much like that. They're stoic and and. Uh, very calming and oh no, there's nothing going on here. But you know, like they're they're gaslighting them, um, so that sort of like, right. relationship going on. Um, but on, on top of, of the, them like name dropping the body snatchers, the the movie is you know 1998 as you know, the the um, the music cue of of the offspring should have cued you into. This is very solidly in the 90s, very solidly, you know, post-Scream. So it's Invasion Body Snatchers, by the way, of Slasher. And there are Slasher elements in here. Um, So when they first introduce Robert Patrick, who is, like, he's asshole coach. And then as soon as he gets assimilated, he's just the T-1000. Yes, that was
1: what I was about to say. He's he's, he's the not-another-teen-movie coach. (laughs) God damn it! (laughs) <laughs> he he says it a lot. He that's a, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, you're right. He be, he basically becomes his his T1000 character, especially when Stan comes to tell him mm-hmm. that he is not going to be a quarterback anymore because he knows his coach is a hot head, and so he's like, um, you know, he's he's like scared to do it, and he's like, oh, he's like that's okay, like yeah. basically like who might stand be, I in
0: can... your way or something like that, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, even though the, we're playing the one team that, you know, could beat us, uh, the only team in the division that could beat us. But, hey, yeah, like you said, who am I to stand in your way? And it's like, he's like, okay, that went smoother than I thought. Yeah. Almost too smooth.
0: <laughs> yeah, and his his line delivery, I almost expected him to like, hey, you know, who am I to stand in your way? By the way, have you seen this boy? <laughs> yeah. And he just pulls this <laughs> photo out. Um,
1: I half Which, funny him. enough... Which funny enough, uh, uh, the speaking of that, we have another reference to that because John Stewart's character is named Professor Edward Furlong. Oh my God! For some inexplicable reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke. I'm looking at IMDb right now. That's the name what? of his character. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, I, I, it said, it did say like I, I remember him having a thing on his desk that said Professor Furlong. Yeah, which like. Okay, I didn't think anything of that necessarily, but seeing the name Professor in the title here, okay, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a bit of a knock. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: it just lost a star upon that revelation.
1: <laughs> that's that's incredible.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wait until they go to the hospital later, and then they introduce Nurse Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but so, like, the, when the, the movie opens and they have, like, the whole thing and, and um, Stan uh, fucks up a play or something, the coach, like, reams him out and everybody leaves and he knocks over the bench and he's scooping shit up. We get a, a POV shot approaching him, much like Friday the 13th, uh, uh, much like Halloween, of the camera approaching him and he, he turns around and looks at it and says, like, yeah, what? Or something like that. And it fades to black, which, so like not only, to me at least, not only is that a, uh, a Friday the 13th slash Halloween reference of it being a, a POV camera approaching the, the uh, victim, but the fade to black reminds me of the shot in The Thing when the dog yeah. goes into the room and we just see the shadow of the guy turn and look back and we get a fade to black. Because it's, <laughs> it's a very out-of-place, odd choice to put there Unless you're doing like a direct reference to that, because I don't yep. remember any well, other there's... scene in the movie that
1: doesn't fade to black. Oh yeah, well the thing has like multiple oh, fade yeah. to blacks. There's like the freeze frame on Wilford Brindley when he has that realization of what the, the <laughs> oh, thing is and it fades God. to black. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> which. Uh, Unfortunately, both times I saw the movie theatrically, the audience like chuckled at that freeze fade to black. And I was like, I I get it to a certain extent, but it's like, come on, guys. (laughs) But, but I also kind of at least appreciate to me because I, again, I'm, I'm super, like I said, I'm super sensitive to like refer, I'm super sensitive, I I would say, to name dropping. Sure. Like, you know, like, you know, type of references. When when you're doing
0: like that yes <laughs>
1: yes yes exactly like that but when it's visual cues or like sure. scenes that sort of like homage it but work within their own context i'm okay with that and so like to me that's a subtle reference you know it i know it because we've seen the thing a million times but like that doesn't really hinder any Like it doesn't affect anybody's experience sure. watching the movie i guess where something like that or like you said the scene when we uh we which we've referenced many times at this point when they go back to josh hartnett's house and he's got mm-hmm. these i like i i almost am like it's so ridiculous and yet it almost kind of works of like it's like a it's like caffeine pills and like some other like mixture that like, you know, you could tell basically like you'd be able to tell immediately that they are uh, uh, assimilated yeah. by, by these creatures. And so then they have the scene of course, where they're like, well, I'm going to make everybody do one. Um, and then like a couple of them resist and people stop trusting each other. And it's yeah, it's the Petri dish scene from the thing. Right. We all, we all know that, but it works and it works because, to me, even though I've seen the thing and I know the thing scene ends with one of them popping out, mm-hmm. the, the jump stare that still gets me every single time, no matter what. Um, I was still surprised in this, to be honest, like when uh, – spoilers again for a 20-year-old um, mm-hmm. oh, movie – um, but, like, when Jordana Brewster ends up being that person. Like, I was mm-hmm. like genuinely shocked when it happened. And and then, it of course, sets up, like the thing, sets up cleverly uh, that it could be a couple of them. So you're like, okay, who is it going to be if it is going to be anybody right. at all? Um, and so, like, to me, that sort of stuff, that sort of, like, referential stuff works. Um, and, and it's, like, and I, I think, you know, largely because... I I think the direction is good. Um, You know, credit where credit's due. I think Rodriguez's direction overshadows a lot of the stuff in Williams' script that doesn't work to me. I think the cast works. Um, But yeah, I I, I think, um, shoot, I feel like I was going somewhere with that. I think I lost the thread. But uh, we could return. (laughs) You wanted to go over. Didn't I? Uh, I'd have to go. So, I mean, let's go back to you. You had a couple other bits you wanted to touch on, I think, before we got to that point. So we, we touched on the beginning where it's the the reference to, uh, like you said, the reference to the thing because it's a fade to black. And then, we, and then we have, like you said, uh, you already brought up straight up slasher elements, which we get in like the first kill of the movie. Um, which was also like even, you know, I was at least a little bit um, credit where credit's due. I was a little bit... Uh, Surprised by that sort of reveal. Robert because you know, Robert Patrick comes in like the craze like a craze like the T one thousand, like you said. He's like coming in and he's like, you know, completely unstoppable, um, trying to kill that one uh teacher, and then she's able to get out, and then she just <laughs> is it is it Piper Lloyd that Lori. walks up and just slits her throat? <laughs> or no, she she gets her neck with the stabbing a, her a,
0: scissors. Which is like that's violent. what it's scissors. Yeah
1: that's brutal and so it's like you then you have yeah like you said so again another kind of one to one with slither in addition to having the same setup is that this movie also has various types of horror Mm -hmm. within it as well i don't think it's i definitely don't think it's as deft at balancing them because i think that it it largely kind of forgets about them from time to time Uh, like especially that slash because that slasher element really is abandoned by at least by the midway point maybe even sooner
0: pretty much by the end of that scene like that scene ends and i think it's 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 well done enough it's got uh, it's got the same tropes of you know um the t-1000 is just gonna slowly walk down the hallway while she's trying to get the keys in the door and like barely gets out in time and so and like i'm not gonna fault it for that because like slashers you know they have you know that's that's just what the trope is and so that's that was the movie that they were making but it's like that scene ends and then it's sort of like, okay, now we're in the chapter of the, the slow assimilation and the growing paranoia. And we're going to start introducing our characters and showing their relationships off. And so then it slowly gets into Elijah wood is realizing stuff is wrong. He works for the, the school newspaper, which, uh, uh, Delilah, who, uh, Jord- Jordana Brewster, um, she's like the, uh, I don't know what it's called. I, I wasn't in journalism. Um, Whatever. She's the godhead. The editor-in-chief. The yeah, editor-in-chief of, uh, thank you, the school paper. And so there, she's like, uh, she wants to do like tabloid journalism. Uh, and, and he's just like, I, I think that the, the school teachers are turning into aliens. Or, or, No, he says like, I found a new species. He finds like a, he's eating lunch by himself out on the football field. And he f- finds one of the um, parasites that's all dried up on the ground and he brings it inside and shows it off to edward furlong um not edward furlong i mean professor edward furlong played by john stewart
1: um you're just gonna ride that one out until we're done talking about this I'm, i'm going to refer to
0: john stewart as edward furlong uh for the rest of my life but um he shows it off to him and he's like straight up like this is a new species nobody's ever seen anything like this before you know, get I don't know who he said, Harvard on the line or something like that. We're gonna get grant money. He's like super excited about it. And then he like tells Delilah, like, We found a new species and she's like, I wanna find out which teachers are fucking (laughs) It's it's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Like it's a it's a you would think that you'd be like somewhat excited about that. Like being from a small town that's pretty exciting that somebody discovered a, a new species and there's possibly gonna be a bunch of grant money flooding in to find out where it came from and stuff, but doesn't seem to give give a shit about that they then see, um, Robert Patrick and Piper Laurie come in and they're chugging water, which is like a thing for these, um, parasites. They have to stay like super, super hydrated. So they're like chugging water. They're hiding in the, um, uh, 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 Delilah and, uh, uh, What's his name? Casey is his character name. Elijah Wood's character. They're hiding in a closet. And then uh, we see Salma Hayek, uh, her character, comes in, gets attacked. They, like, shoot a parasite into her ear canal, which sprays blood out. And then she's pretty much immediately, like, turned And one of them. And from their interaction with the teachers, they pretty, like, they... Casey, at least, very quickly notices, like, oh, shit. Like, they are all... Uh, you know, pod people. They they they've all been assimilated. They are not who they were before. And it's after this scene that they, but he basically goes. He tells, um, he tells everybody about it. He tells Clea Duvall, who uh um is the uh who plays Stokely Stokes. She's like the goth girl, um, and also the only one who is apparently aware of invasion of the body snatchers in this town, which is weird. Um, she has to explain the pod. Oh, and, to and Casey. And, oh, does oh, Casey too. T- okay
1: yeah yeah he knows because he he says it's like inv- i forget the exact line forgive me but he says it's like invasion of the body snatchers when they have that conversation like in the library mm-hmm. and she's like no invasion of the body snatchers actually got it from this sci-fi oh you're right novel yeah and i forgot what the novel was but uh so she knows uh, and so casey knows she knows but yes agree yeah
0: and his theory is basically that like all of these fiction stories throughout history of like science fiction stories of uh uh you know people being slowly assimilated by uh, an alien species is the alien species like like getting this uh, notion into our pop culture so that we would be more susceptible or more receptive to being pod people if the emperor were to invade um which i think is weird i think that's I mean, like it, it doesn't. Nothing really comes of that element. Um, that when they're talking about it, I thought that was a strange pitch. I don't think that that is a smart way to to do that. If you're going to try and invade and like take over a planet or really do anything, like you don't like.
1: Make. no but also like have you seen humans like I, yeah all right, all right. yeah <laughs> like you know i mean I, it, it's been talked about to death you know not to get too topical but it's like you know we everyone's sort of response to the COVID 19 pandemic is, is has changed the way i look at a lot of horror movies where you're like people wouldn't be that dumb in real life and then i look at what oh, shit. Is going on around <laughs> us and go oh wait a minute no actually these movies might have given us too much credit uh so that's a i mean point. i, I that's that's my counterbalance but that's all i got no
0: it's a fair point i like and again it's just another element of like it's a weird sidebar conversation that eats up time in the movie but ultimately doesn't mean anything and it doesn't get referenced later um where like that's where i I feel like the story itself is uh not just in its presentation of like jumping sort of genres as the movie goes along but sort of introducing elements for the sake of introducing them and then moving on Whereas I, I just feel like it does feel like a script rewrite or a script shop. Because it, like there's a bunch of different people's ideas in here and all of them are, are represented. But I don't feel like there's a good solid through line of... Like we were just talking with um, Slither. Where Slither can like introduce these elements very slowly and organically. And it, and it feels like you're on a ride and you're ramping in a logical way. As logical as that sort of story can be. Until you get to like that batshit ending. I feel like this sort of is is multiple different rides. It's a whole different theme park of different rides, and some of them are more effective than the others. But unfortunately, it doesn't feel very cohesive, at least to me.
1: I would say that it feels, yeah, to a certain extent, I would say, in terms of certain things being set off and maybe them not being paid off, either, either at all or in a satisfying way. Right. Um, but I do, like... It, I know I've already, you know, laid this out at the beginning. I do think I do think it finds a cohesion. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's a little bit I, I think it's muddied in the way that things are set up, certainly. But I think by the time From the moment that they realize that uh professor edward furlong is one of the uh uh one of the assimilated Mm -hmm. and they have that sort of like standoff in the classroom because that's that's about the first time because all of them have been having sort of like disparate conversations with one another as they slowly sort of realize what's happening um and even though like you said they're in part of the different cliques and that's not like it's set up but it's not really like followed up upon but about the time that then and that's about the first time everybody gets in a room together and then after that moment realize oh shit this is what's going down and then there's that you know i would say pretty effective shot where they're all walking out and like everybody the faculty and the students are all just kind of like watching them as they all like go to josh hartnett's car and it's like that's a pretty effective scene mm-hmm. um i i maybe i wish it would be amped up a little bit because i totally thought they would be like running through like a group of people like but they all just kind of look at them mm-hmm. as they get in the car and go away um but i do think like when they go back to the school i think it at least finds like a certain intensity because at that point it becomes like a chase movie like right. even though these elements are a little bit disparate it's like you have the sort of standoff in the gymnasium and then you have the standoff in the school bus and then you have uh, like uh, the scene with um, Josh Hart and and Fomke Jameson, where she like breaks into the front of his car, mm-hmm. um, and and like all like I think all that stuff is done really really well. Well, um, personally, like I thought, like I liked a lot of that.
0: I liked a lot of it. I. The the whole relationship with Funky Jensen's character in the movie is really fucking weird. I don't understand. It's so weird. I have no idea what the hell history she has going on with uh uh Josh Hartnett's character. But like, is she a is she a teacher?
1: It's she is I believe Miss Elizabeth Burke. Yeah, I,
0: I, but like yeah, he's I, like, I, selling drugs out of the back of his car, and she comes out and is like like sheepishly like. Oh what are you what are you doing out here Zeke you, you know you shouldn't be doing that and he like you know uh, uh, he, uh, he's like I'm a super cool guy uh, you know um, you know stereotype and so he talks all cool and he's got a uh, he's got a 8-year-old boy's haircut and he's telling her like you know what he's doing out there he like offers her condoms and she leaves and then later on like she she confronts him and like tells him off which I thought was another thing that was I felt like it was setting up that it didn't pay off. It's like earlier on in the movie when Robert Patrick um, stabs uh, uh, Valerie Drake, uh, uh, Fraser's wife, in the hand with a pencil. Um, he has the line, I always wanted to do that. And then she escapes and Piper Laurie stabs her in the chest with the scissors and she says, I always wanted to do that. And so I felt like... It was setting up that the, the parasite is not so much a hive mind or, um, you know, it, it's, it's I, well, I guess hive mind is, is the right word. But it's not necessarily a hive mind as it is something that it sort of amplifies uh, dormant feelings or actions within its host. And so, like, these violent reactions that were coming out are more or less uh, like the movie Disturbing Behavior, where th- this is something that you know, this person, this r- like th- rage or sexual feelings, in in the case of like Fomke Jansen or or these other characters, are now amplified and coming out because the the parasite sort of takes that part of your personality and brings it to the forefront, and then yeah. that sort of attitude or the way that the uh, hosts start carrying themselves, that is also another element that just stops at some point where you're just like, why did that get introduced? then because it, it is ultimately a hive mind that we end up finding out later, later yeah we do
1: find out it's to it's a full like monster that that controls all of them as opposed to like i mean i guess it's the same in slither too but it's like it's not like any of them or no it is because it's the it's the it's the um marybeth is the person right but anyway um i had two things to pull out of that and and uh, it, um and, and probably not even the most important things But but number one That might be the only context in which I've heard The movie Disturbing Behavior brought up in <laughs> I cannot think of it the last time That movie's ever been said um,
0: Someone out there is happy that I got a shout out
1: so, this is so someone's doing the uh, once upon a time in Hollywood <laughs> with their headphones on, just like, hey, disturbing behavior, but also neither here nor there. But you know what? I, and, and this isn't a knock on on counselors because I have family of counselors and whatnot. But I think Famke Jameson's character is a, like a school counselor. Oh, I feel like it's got to be right. I mean, because like you said, if it's amplifying your behavior and she says it like sheepishly because counselors have a sort of duty to be like not as strict teachers, or, right? Not like as that's confrontational, what yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I, 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 I bet, bet I she's a school right. counselor. That's really and the only then,
0: context in which that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case. And then when she comes back, anything she's been feeling about any sessions he's been in, it just all come out to the forefront. I get, I bet that's
0: yeah. It. I get, yeah, I get. That's the only thing. <sighs> I would have to go back and watch the movie again, which I don't think I'm going to do. But I, I don't know if that's, like, called out explicitly. Or, like,
1: I can't recall. If I did, I missed it. And that's that's on me, if that's the I, case. Yeah, me too. Um, I,
0: I just thought that it was a super strange, like, relationship between a teacher and a student. To the point where I was just like, is she a teacher? He's calling her Miss yeah. Burke. So you would think so. But, like, yeah, a teacher should be yeah. turning you in if you're selling drugs out of here. I think
1: I think she's I think she's a counselor. That's that's okay. kinda of what, what it comes down to. Um and then yeah, I mean I guess I already kind of I mean, like I said, we we're in spoilers anyway. I kind of spoiled the ending that that the uh the the, the new student, the transfer student mm-hmm. uh, from Illinois, uh Maribeth Louise Hutchinson, um in her southern accent, is this hive mind person. Mm-hmm. Um and then that's uh that's a whole yeah, I have I have like mixed feelings about that whole aspect as well. Um, Cause on the one hand, like for its budget, it's a pretty decent set piece, sure. uh, pretty decent like monster uh, uh, effects. Um, but it, it, it's I don't know, it's it's almost, but it's a little, but it is a little deflating. But it's yeah. also but it also fits that 50s sort of b-movie vibe as well where it's like oh it is of course it'd be like a monster so i i just i i have sort of i think it kind of goes into what you're saying a lot of like there's certain there's a lot of ideas and most of them are accounted for but not all of them are maybe seen to their conclusion um and so it seems a bit off but i think you know like like we're saying i think for for me anyway a lot of the disparate elements worked more than they didn't, but like that that one I have a conflicting opinion about for sure.
0: I have a, a conflicting opinion about the reveal that it's that it's Mary Beth. I, I mean, like just because of the standpoint of like she's introduced as like hi, uh, I'm new in town. So then immediately you're like okay, like you're new to town, and then that's when shit kicks off. So you're immediately suspicious. So it seems pretty, like, obvious that she would be the choice to, to be the one who is, like, the alien. And also, like, just sort of like a xenophobia, you know, new person introduced into the environment and shit goes awry and then they start changing and assimilating people. Just was, mm. is like a weird story element to me. But then, I, I think, I think you're right that I was more or less, as on board as I got with the movie, was, was in this final sort of stretch when... They they realize like okay like they're assimilating people. We have this this drug that if you snort it or you stab it into somebody's eye, then you know it'll dry them out and it'll kill the it'll kill the the parasite. So then we just gotta you know go down to this football game where at the football game they're just massively infecting people with these parasites. And so they got to get down there, find the hive mind. They don't even know necessarily if this is going to work. They're basing this completely off of. Um, completely off of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, or, or I mean, not really, because that's not what happens in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they leave. Well, I guess that's what happens in the book. But, I digress. They are completely just making this up as they go along, and it sort of, it made me think of, or it made me hope for sort of a thing like Return of the Living Dead, where they're like, well, yeah, you know, you cut off the head or you destroy the brain, and then that's what kills him, because that's what happened in the movie. And then when that body comes out of the freezer, they put the pickaxe through his head, and it's still just... Ah! <laughs> they, like, cut its head off, and its body is running around the room. And, like, sort of this subversion of, like, like the media that you're referencing isn't actually the fact of life. Um, I was hoping that there would have been some element of that, because it, it feels almost awfully convenient that they were, were right in this situation, that... For, for nothing other than we once saw it in a movie um this is how it works and that is actually how it works but um i felt like there was a couple of missed opportunities one they get down to the game they go to the gymnasium and they block themselves off and it's sort of setting it up to be sort of a siege movie like you have all of these people outside of the game all of them are getting infected you have a, a band of people that are in this building and as far as we know, they're not infected. One of them could be. Um, having like all of those people trying to get in, get in there and get them would be like an exciting and thrilling thing, but that doesn't really happen. The football team is sort of stomping around out in the parking lot, but they don't really actively attack the building or trying to get in. Um, I felt like there was a missed opportunity with the uh, 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 Valerie Drake who is the principal who she she gets into the um gymnasium and they throw a net on her and they're like hesitate to shoot her um and then uh, i think it is it zeke that shoots her in the head or is it uh casey
1: it's casey it, yeah it is casey um, it's casey because they they shoot her in the head and they have that moment like that brief realization uh very brief but they're like wait what if she wasn't one Mm -hmm. of them did we just make a mistake did we just commit murder and then no they didn't
0: i i wish that would have been a member of the faculty that that had that we did not know was assimilated because we know for a fact she's been because we saw her get stabbed to death with scissors early on in the movie and then she's like totally fine the next day and walking around so we're like oh shit she's one of them I wish that they would have pulled a bait and switch and put somebody in that position that we did not know for a fact
1: was assimilated. So that we, for a moment, would be with the characters
0: and going, oh shit, did you
1: make a mistake? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple misopportunities like that. There's that, and then, you know, I, I didn't know this was like maybe a point or two or three ago <laughs> about, Mary Beth, about Mary Beth being the person and how... You know, I, I think in in hindsight, it's disappointing, mm-hmm. um, mainly because it's never really set up in the start that there is like a hive mind. Because you think it is just like you know, pretty much like or, or a high, yeah, you think it's just these creatures assimilating, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, yes. It, so you go, oh, if there were to be a hive mind, then it's very clearly the person who came to town, and so you would think, but then it also has that you have that opportunity there because like to you... sorry let me rewind this my <laughs> point here so so like it, it it feels it feels like it both comes out of nowhere but also disappointing because it feels obvious right. which i know is almost like a contradiction but it's like in a movie like this where you especially in a in a horror movie in a, i mean this is in a slasher movie but like you a lot of movies will push hard lean hard on the killer or whoever being person a um so hard that it's like it clearly has to be person b c or d because like it would be so obvious and bad for it to be a like that's just a typical screenwriting trope but the movie doesn't do any sort of like building up to it it just sort of happens Mm -hmm. and so it would be it would have been nice if maybe there was uh once we were revealed what was happening Somehow interject the idea that there was a hive mind and then subvert the idea that it's the new person that came into town. But instead, it's just kind of like... I I do agree from your standpoint of making it feel like there are things that were probably set... Like, should have been set up that were kind of abandoned somewhere in a rewrite that didn't quite make it to the final final cut.
0: Right. I would love to see an early draft of this and see what they were trying to set up that maybe got thrown to the wayside. Because, I mean, like, even... Even the reveal that it's Mary Beth isn't satisfying. Like, they're, they're in the gym, sitting on the bleachers, and it's, it's just Mary Beth talking with Stokely on the bleachers. And everyone else is, like, checking doors and like, a way. And it's just, like, the, the prime scenario. Like, if you are hiding in plain sight, if you're the thing, you isolate your victims, and then you assimilate them. You change them over. And they're, Mm -hmm. like, are by themselves in the gym having a conversation, and then she just, like, blurts out and, like, admits, like, yeah, I'm the alien thing, and then, like, transforms her arm into a giant leech thing and slaps her in the face and knocks her down, like, off the bleachers, alerting everyone else to then come run and try and help her, and it's, like... It's so weird how out of left field it is. Like, there had to have been some way to set it up to where it's accidentally revealed, or she like something slips. It's just so weird to me that she's like hiding in plain sight the whole time until an opportune time to turn another one, and then she goes, "Nah, I'm gonna become a big slime monster instead." (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's yeah, it's a bit deflating. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, again, like I said, I know that there are people out there who uh, turned this off a long time ago, or if you've stuck with it, thank you, uh, and I'm sorry, uh, the, but there are fans of this movie that like really do like the faculty and probably don't appreciate the fact that I'm... I and, and could be completely wrong. That's like I said up top. The, like, There's an argument to be made that these could be moved around into different spots. Just saying as a cohesive full narrative it was not nearly as satisfying to me as the movies it was trying to emulate
1: that's understandable and and i would say i would agree with a lot of your points i think i just i went along for the ride more easily than i kind of anticipated doing sure um you know given my history with this screenwriter and this director um but that's okay because if you're worried about anybody being mad or shutting it off um, I'm probably about to make the rest of the people who are still listening <laughs> mad and shut this podcast off uh, because uh, the 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 '80s horror fans are gonna come come for me with their pitchforks and their torches for what I have to say <laughs> about our next movie. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that was gonna be my
0: my uh, segue too. Was you were saying that you were uh, in for the ride on, on the faculty, and I was very much on board for the ride of Night of the Creeps uh, it's I mean it, it it got my number it has a lot of the stuff that I really love about 80s horror movies um, again I can admit it's it's imperfect but I think, I think it's great that we are on not exactly opposite ends here but we're, I, I, we'll get into it I would like to know your overall impression of Night of the Creeps again being a first time watch for you
1: yeah. So this, yeah, this was the first time watch for me. I had never seen it. I've seen Fred Decker's other, more beloved movie, The Monster mm-hmm. Squad, um, which which has a huge cult following. People love the movie. I'm not a huge fan of that movie. Really, I think it's kind of cute. And yeah, it's kind of cool to have all the Universal monsters in in like a a, a you know adventure kid adventure but like an r-rated goonies sort of situation i I, whatever i get it i get it but i'm not i'm not a big fan of the monster squad and i was not a big fan of this movie really either i think i will say this um you know because i don't want to uh you know completely shit on it is that i think that fred decker walked so james gunn could run (laughs) and i can't and i can't argue like I can't deny that fact. I think that the balance of sort of like comedy, tongue-in-cheek, and genuine horror, I think Fred Checker Fred Decker has tried to do. It hasn't worked for me in either these two movies he directed, nor the script he co-wrote for Shane with Shane Black for The Predator, Mm -hmm. which I know that movie had a like a huge studio bungle, so like I'm not gonna not really gonna place that at his feet. But, like, that movie's a a fucking mess. Um, And so this movie, I... I, Well, for one, doing my research of this is that uh, he wrote the script within a week. And I think that shows. (laughs) um, (laughs) Because... And I think this is where where I come down on Night of the Creeps. For one, you know, we've already mentioned my sort of sensitivity to references. Mm -hmm. This movie, every character... Has a last name that is a horror filmmaker yep. uh i mean I'm, let's go through this i mean our two lead characters chris romero and jc hooper stands for james carpenter hooper <laughs> uh we have cynthia cronenberg uh tom atkins who we'll get into tom atkins who is great in oh, this yeah. movie um but he is uh ray cameron i have to assume that's after james cameron um, given given the rest of the ones I'm about to do, um, Detective Landis, mm-hmm. Sergeant Ramy, Officer Craven, Officer Bava, and Mr. Minor, Steve yep. Minor, who did Friday Thirteenth Part Two and Three. Um, oh, after a while, I like this. This this made <laughs> Professor Edward Furlong <laughs> look so tame in comparison. I don't, I don't know. I was I was. <laughs> I don't know what's worse <laughs> that. To me, that one is so random. It's so random that you almost have to laugh the way we're laughing now. But these are like – you're going right for the top shelf with all these picks here, right? And so I'm just like – so already – well, and then the the, the college, Corman University, um, which we see. So you know where we're at here. Um, But I think on top of all that, I mean, for one, I didn't – I didn't find this movie – because the way that – like again, to go back to what I meant about Fred Decker walking for James Gunn to run is James Gunn blending horror and comedy and sort of uh, disarming you and subverting what you think. Uh, He's taking cliches and he's subverting them in, I think, like not crazy ways, but I feel like satisfying ways. And I could not for the life of me for this movie figure out – like what was in earnest and what was supposed to be a parody. And I feel like that's a bit of a problem. (laughs) Like, I feel like I, I just didn't feel like the movie really subverted its cliches that well. And, and I feel like it becomes pretty much just uh, to me, a cliche ridden movie. I think, I, yeah, I don't want to crap on them. I think our leads are pretty bad in this movie. Like, like of, of the three movies... I mean, there's two performances in this movie that are great. But of the three movies, bar none as a whole, this has the worst cast, I think. Sure. Um, all around. And so it's just like, I just got bored following these characters. I felt all the college Fall stuff felt just like a, like a warmed-over Porky's. And I don't really like Porky's to begin with. Like, I didn't like any of that. I didn't really enjoy like i kind of enjoyed like the final leg of the movie uh when it ramps up but like uh, um up until then really if tom atkins and dick miller weren't on the screen like i found this to be quite a drag to be honest and again i will i will take my 80s horror card and i will turn it in with my gun and my badge um but yeah i did not i did not enjoy this movie really at all i think i mean i think that's fair i think pretty much
0: that rule stands for every movie is that uh tom atkins and dick miller being in it uh automatically elevates it uh to, to a much better movie? dick
1: miller not to not to take over dick miller playing walter paisley yes yeah so the automatic little at least got a star immediately for for Which, that have you, I was like, have okay. you
0: seen uh, a bucket of blood yet
1: no i haven't Uh, i know you got it for me for my birthday it's on my it's on my huge stack of movies above my vcr (laughs) i will get to it but i do know yeah i know that that's the character from that movie and when he shows up in a lot of these bit roles he plays a character most famously in chopping mall Mm -hmm. as the janitor he's also walter um so yeah no i know the story behind it and I, i and just seeing dick miller it's just like it's always a joy
0: Mostly, I just wanted to name drop it so that if anybody listening to the episode, if you have not seen a Bucket of Blood, uh, you should seek it out and watch it because it's great. Um, I, I, the thing is, I cannot disagree with anything that you just said. Um, the movie, I don't, it, it might be trying to, to make an attempt at being tongue in cheek and being a, a parody, um, but it does, it plays it so straight in all the wrong areas to the point where, you're right, it feels like it's just somebody wrote uh, a script that was as cliched and as tropey as possible to check off boxes to make that movie. The thing that works for me is how bonkers it gets um, at some points. And and I mean, like, the... I think we both agree that the intro of the movie that is a, like a 50s throwback shot in black yes, and white it's Im- is great.
1: Yep. I think that's great. Apparently he wanted to shoot the whole movie in black and white, oh. which I don't know if that would have made it better, but I think that would have made it, to me, at least make the sort of small scale of it, like very clear, low budgetness mm-hmm. of it, which is not a hindrance for me usually. Uh, it just is for this movie, but I... I would have appreciated that ambition had they, he wanted to make it black and white the entire movie. Um, But we do get a great prologue and, 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 you know, it's set in the 1950s. Um, So like, of course, like it, it really has that, like it's, it's clearly, I do think it's, I do think it's at least done in earnest. Like I do feel like it's wearing that's like starting with this prologue, wearing those sort of influences on its sleeve, where it's like, okay, it's now the 1950s, and we see an alien canister that's crashed to Earth. Well, and first,
0: it's before we see it crash oh, to Earth. Yes. We see the uh, shootout with aliens.
1: Yes, I was going to say that. Yes, we did see the alien shootout in in uh, <laughs> the beginning, which is pretty right. great
0: we <laughs> like yes. oh
1: okay it's, and 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 i kind of like it they're like um i don't know if you've ever seen toby hooper's remake of uh invaders from mars oh, no. um but it's but the aliens are a lot like that like they're, they're like big suits like <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. they're people walking around in big old rubber suits and so like i appreciated that aspect like it's like okay like i get it like this is cheesy. Uh, you're playing it as cheesy and then it, playing it straightforward. Yes, it's abrupt. And then we see that gun battle and then they just, they enter. It's, it's, and then it's also jarring and I'm okay with it. It's like the least of the movie's issues, but like they're, they're huge too. These aliens, like they're massive. Oh, yeah. uh, unless it was a tiny ship, but like they're these massive aliens. And then they take a little like, um, you know, space pod down to earth and then it's like it's like it's like one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle oozes, like like canisters. Like it's like tiny And you're like, wait, what? Well
0: and I so I think the whole deal is that those aliens on the ship were were doing an experiment and like of course the aliens aren't speaking, so there's like no it's not like it explicitly stated, but they were doing an experiment to make those slugs and that one alien had taken uh, a, a sample of it out of the ship and, like, jettisoned it out into space. I don't think he got into a pod and took it out. I think he just shot out a sample of the slugs, and then that's what landed oh, okay. on our...
1: That makes sense. Because I, I must have missed that somewhere, because I thought they, like, got into an escape
0: Well, and the way that and... it's shot and cut, it kind of implies that. Where it shows, like, him run down, he closes a door behind himself, and he's, like, leaning up against a wall... And then the camera does sort of a, uh, it does a push in on his on his uh, unarticulated face, um, just staring back slack-jawed where the door is, and then it cuts outside yep. of the ship, and we see like the, poof, and we see like the canister flipping in the air. So like, the only yeah. the only indication that we have that he's not in it is that we see him carrying a canister, but
1: that. Y- i think you're right because it is cut like the the like the scene in Spaceballs where they're all getting in escaping the ship where it's like i'm the bearded lady who are you one of the freaks (laughs) (laughs) getting in the space pod so um yeah i so i was i was confused about that whole moment but the actual like I, i but but like to go back to this prologue further into this prologue um you know those like creatures crashing on earth i think i feel like it sets up a movie it sets up such a good movie that we don't really Mm -hmm. see like i I think that's the thing like it sets up a movie it's like it's really patient and it is like i feel like those are the moments that at least are subverting that you're sort of like tongue-in-cheekness because the guy gets out of the car it's like it's like a couple going on a date Mm -hmm. right and the guy gets out of the car and he sees the um he um, inspects that that falling star he inspects where that canister mm-hmm. and so he goes and he gets that and then meanwhile we also have like a slasher subplot <laughs> yeah. in this movie too uh, just like the faculty so we, we we have so much overlap here where there's a, a, a escaped insane mental patient who's out there and um we see the the girl's out all alone she's calling for her boyfriend to come Mm -hmm. back and she says something the effect of like you could come back and fondle my breasts if you want or something (laughs) something to that and so it's like i was like okay that's this tone is perfect like it's it's shot very straightforward it's shot very patient it looks authentic like like the movies it's mm-hmm. emulating and then like have little touches like that that's like kind of being like okay I know you're you're kind of playing this uh, for laughs but then you, we see that shot of the, the mental patient like walking slowly towards the car and we see it cut before that mm-hmm. happens and so you know much like the thing um, and so I I was I was really kind of on board that. And then the movie we get starts and it's these two guys, two sad sack guys who are also, you know, speaking of the faculty like who are playing very archetypal characters. Mm-hmm. They're kind of they're they're trying to get into a fraternity and they're like these kind of geeky dorky guys and like one of them's kind of a sad sack and the other one's like the loudmouth guy and it's just like oh Uh, i'm like i really hope we do something here to to sort of like subvert these Mm -hmm. tropes and subvert these expectations i kind of gave it the benefit of the doubt when it started because of how good that prologue was and then it's like no not really it's pretty much like okay comic relief character who's not that funny okay boy meets girl throughout all this okay check um things start happening um you know when it's revealed which I will say, I guess when things start... I don't want to jump around too ahead, but I would say I also like the sequence in which sets off the sequence of events with the, the, oh, with the, the, frozen, the frozen, frozen body. body yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a pretty well-done sequence. Um, yeah, I think, but... I think it's...
0: It could have been... It could have been the blob, right? And it could have had a rocket land on space or, a, a, you know, a canister or a meteorite land on land on, on Earth from space. And it's carrying an alien and then that sets off the events and that's, you know, what they did in Slither. I I, I don't know if I consider it ambitious or, or just, you know, I was satisfied by it in the strangeness that it, like, does a whole time jump. And includes all of these elements of, you know, stories of of this era of, like, not only is it a, you know, alien canister from space that's, you know, uh, carrying some parasite, but there is a uh, uh, axe murderer on Lover's Lane, and and you hear about it on the radio, escaped mental patient from the nearby, like, that that radio call goes out, and then... um, cut to you know cryogenically frozen person uh, that it was like a a big thing i guess uh uh, cryogenics was sort of its own mythological thing uh that was very futuristic so the including all of these elements i don't think you know much like the faculty i don't think it really goes anywhere super satisfying because i mean ultimately does it matter that we you know they landed in the 50s got stuck in a dude's body that guy got cryogenically frozen only to be unfrozen later and the slugs to escape i don't no. think so it,
1: like i know but I, and i i'll give the movie a big bit of credit i guess i don't think it's it's not <laughs> darn it i'm trying to figure out how to say how i want to say this it doesn't matter and I don't think the movie makes a big stank about that right. mattering either which I like is kind of a I'm not knocking it for that mattering I, I guess again I'm just I'm more knocking it for like the fact that I just didn't enjoy it but it, you know again it's like if any if anyone is still listening at this point you know again take everything I, I picked Steven Seagal's On Deadly Ground as a good last week I have no grounds to judge anybody's you have no deadly grounds? anybody's oh um i have no (laughs) no grounds to judge anybody's opinion i just uh uh, yeah i just i i ultimately just kind of i i didn't see when you know we already kind of kind of already mentioned from beyond Mm um and and i don't know why that's a movie i thought of a lot like in regards to these movies but it's just one that kind of came up and and it's like to me what I had a hard time with Night of the Creeps is... I guess if I enjoyed it, I probably would, would have forgiven a lot of stuff. But I just had a hard time figuring out what separates this one from a lot of other movies of this ilk at this sure. time. And I just... And I had a hard time just finding anything that really, like, stood out of, like... The, I mean, like, the the makeup and the special effects are oh, yeah. good on their budget. Like, no no doubt about that. They're not the best, but, like, they're good. But they they, they didn't even stand out to me... There's no real like, you know, like mo. I guess I mean. Well, I guess there is a moment. We'll get to it. That is a standout. But like other, there just wasn't anything in this movie that like stood out to me. Because I know it's kind of a cult classic mm-hmm. to a certain extent. I think a lot. You know, a lot of people do like this movie. And I was just like, I just, I couldn't quite grasp, like for me, what or what what was, gonna do it. Yeah. For me. And it just, yeah, I I just couldn't couldn't find it. And I mean.
0: I think for the most part the elements that you're talking about in terms of setup, like I didn't really care about the characters outside of of Atkins and Dick Miller. Um, But I never really felt like I needed to. I, I was very much. Yeah. The, what like the, the premise itself was able to carry me through. And I think like, the elements that kept getting introduced were enough to keep me interested even if they didn't necessarily go anywhere i mean it's more or less just like a strange night on the town and when like when the axe murderer gets a a, a slug in his head and busts up from underneath the old woman's house like that yeah. whole sidebar storyline of, like, Tom Atkins being a cop whose, like, high school sweetheart was murdered by an axe murderer on Lover's Lane, and he has that long dialogue scene of, like, he monologues and, and confesses to murder to the kid, who's, like, very nervously, like, are, are you, like, other than confessing to murder, is there a point? To, like, is there a point to this story? <laughs> yeah. That whole scene is, is I, I like, that kid, like, sure, he didn't do that great of a job in, in the role, but I love that interaction between the two of them in that scene of him being like on the verge of shitting his pants, not quite sure why this is happening. And Tom Atkins just very, very slowly explaining to him how he tracked down and, and shot and killed this guy and buried his body in a vacant lot. Um.
1: <laughs> it's the one scene where their acting golf, like of quality, actually helps the sure. scene. Like, actually fits the scene for sure. Because, like, it, it, it's a pretty great reaction and it's like not like a well acted but I feel like it's also natural to a certain yes. extent because he just goes on and on about this. And so anytime else, because like when when the when like that that main actor, like kind of like when the main kid actors are acting amongst each other, like they're not great but it's all kind of like, it's like passable horror movie sure. stuff. You know what I mean? Like when we, two episodes ago we did the Friday the 13th series. It's like I don't need like likable characters or deep characters in a movie like this but i could but when you can see in the like when you can see in the writing um which is what i think like in this movie where it does i feel at least aspire to be a bit more um like it aspires to reach a little bit more and it's like that's admirable but i just i i feel like because you're aiming for it but you're hitting about the bar of like friday the 13th mm. it, you like it's a little bit like i eh, i you know and it's like again I, I applaud that it's aiming for more. Long story short, that scene is great, but then I also feel like the acting gulf is like very evident in most other <laughs> scenes with him and 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 uh Tom Atkins because Uh, because atkins is just acting circles around him. atkins is
0: having a blast in this movie though
1: he's having a great time i love i love tom atkins and pretty much anything and he he is he he is bringing it like there's no question that he's bringing it in this movie and um yeah i i i think he's to me he is definitely the the highlight of it for sure um really no if ands, if, if ands or buts. he's he's the best thing this movie has yeah, got
0: yeah I, I i don't think without without tom atkins in this movie or dick miller in this movie i don't think it would be worth watching um, they very much elevate the movie to to a, a much higher degree than than it is i mean of yeah of course there are like portions of the movie that i like but if it wasn't tom atkins running down the street with a with a 12 gauge shotgun to go shoot a zombie's head we're saying shit like thrill me or um, it's miller time and shooting a dude in the head um, <laughs> or or like the scene towards the end of the movie after like he's he's going to commit suicide i guess like he's cut the gas on and yeah. in his kitchen and then he like oh okay fine i'll go kill zombies and t- turns the gas off and gets his gun but like towards the end of the movie when he's in the house and people start getting assimilated and there's that that killer uh, dolly shot where it's just like turning in circles and he's turning with it and just ah just shooting his gun off screen. Like oh, it's man. those it's yeah. those like peaks in the movie that sustained me. Where where like it, where the the um the the boy girl thing that's going on and they're running away from the zombies with the the flamethrower, like there's some action going on there. They get trapped in the um shed or something outside and the zombies are trying to get in there's a pretty cool kill uh with a uh lawnmower there's like a precursor to uh um uh to dead alive
1: maximum overdrive oh, oh oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 went, um, we went two different routes <laughs> in that <one. laughs>
0: same quality of movie uh but uh it's it's that stuff is is to me that's pretty standard fair uh, fanfare for movies of this era um and of this budget i I, I, like none of that really stood out to me it's very much tom atkins is the hero of this movie that it it didn't deserve but it sorely needed
1: i was gonna say he's the here's the hero of this movie he's the (laughs) protector <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and to, and and we should also not overplay it too. As great as he is, Dick Miller's not in this movie no. very long. For anyone who hasn't seen this movie, he's in it for like a scene. That scene is great though. Um, but yeah, he's he's barely he, in it. He's just uh, giving out guns.
0: He's like the he's the same character from uh, the Terminator.
1: Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Hey, he's like, hey, you can't shoot that here. But Wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did you feel about the end of this movie? I the end of this movie speaking of it's been it's been getting name name drops like crazy throughout the night. Uh reminded me a lot of uh from beyond.
1: Yeah. I mean it definitely did. Like, just a um, mass
0: of, of of uh um just fire. Fire. fire and and there's like that big old uh uh like mound of of worms it reminded me of of um when they're in the basement and Ken Forey is uh, showing off his junk in his, like, really, really tight underwear. Um, And they're getting attacked by, like, that worm thing. uh, Very much reminded me of, like, those scenes of, like, just monster gross-out horror.
1: Yeah, and that's... I liked that. I think, like, if I had to say one positive thing outside of Tom Atkins, which I think it does go hand-in-hand with the finale... I think the finale is good. Like, I do think it at least... if, If... Builds is, would be a, a, a generous word, but like it, it, it comes to a conclusion that I feel like is at least like okay, I s- like I see where you spent your money. Like right. it was pretty much th- that prologue and that finale is basically where all the money went. Um, you know, you already mentioned the dolly shot of he him just Atkins just yeah. running in a circle, like just shooting one by one, and it shows that terrific bird's eye shot of yeah. all the corpses <laughs> down below. Um, and then yeah you have the, the, the whole like big big slug monster which definitely yeah reminded me like a lot of From Be- I think it's just all the goopy goopy like and especially with Slither mm-hmm. when you're dealing with body horror stuff I think it's just like I've had From Beyond on the brain a mm-hmm. um, little bit of society which you yeah. did kind of like lean towards in, in um, uh, 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 Slither um, I do like the ending I, I long, long story short I do like the ending of this mm-hmm. movie um I, I i think it it and and maybe i sounded too harsh up the front of saying like i didn't enjoy this movie i mean i, I would stand by it but i do think the ending it doesn't save it for me but it did offer I, I feel like kind of like the the you know the requisite thrills of a movie like this um and i think it does it in in a way that if, if not necessarily creative at least like has momentum has some fun with the For premise sure. um and, and and it's sort of like and even at the start of it, you know i there's that one scene you know to kind of go back with like and I just I do wish there was a little bit more subverting of the cliches mm-hmm. and subverting them in a way and, and subverting them in a way that wasn't just like sort of wink wink nudge nudge you know like the like the scene in the prologue I mentioned or there's like the famous scene where the um where like one of the jock guys gets uh gets assimilated mm-hmm. and he goes to <laughs> goes to pick the they're going up the the dance and goes to, to her uh, to the front door and she's like I forgot the other character's name, He's like so and so your dates yeah. here, and it's and, and the fact that it's like he's such a bland block of wood before he got assimilated and that that like she doesn't even notice, and that's the joke. That's a funny joke. I wish there were more moments like that in this movie. I I like like because you could see the touches of the movie that I think it could oh, be. Yeah. Um and I think that's I, I think that's as far as maybe less dislike and more just frustrating. Sure. Like I was like, I see what you are capable of being um, because it's shining through here from time to time but it just isn't quite getting yeah, there
0: I can see yeah. that there, There's it, it, overall quality wise straight through I don't think it's anything uh, excellent or, or super special to, to write home about but I totally agree that there are segments like that or even like the scene that immediately follows that one with Brad that you're talking about where um, the the character is uh, sitting with him on the porch and more or less like trying to break up with him but he's like in the background with his mouth agape and there's just like slugs pouring out of his yeah. head and she's like completely yes. like not not aware that this is what's going on like there, there's little things like that little sight gags that sort of flash through of just like if if you could have taken like those bits and stretched them out and made that the majority of this movie you would have something extremely special here but as it is i think it's a very fun little oddity um if only just for the uh just for tom atkins
1: yes which because we could always use more Atkins. always oh, no matter what i'm on the atkins diet i was gonna literally gonna say the only atkins diet i need was <laughs> tom atkins diet Oh well, shit! And with that, that might be a <laughs> yeah. wrap.
0: Sorry to steal your thunder there.
1: It's okay. It's okay. It's it's it was right there. Somebody had right. to do it first.
0: Well, did you have any uh, any final thoughts on these picks?
1: Uh, not really. I do. I I, I thought this was a f- really fun episode from the standpoint of like, you know, we've talked about. I mean, we talk about movies that are. You know, similar to one another. Sure. That's the whole you know purpose of our show, right? But I, I would say you kind of mentioned this off mic. I would say really not since our very first episode when we talked about Darkman and Spawn together mm-hmm. uh, and realized that the the bones of those movies were pretty much identical. It's just that the the filling and the the seasoning and the spice were all different, right. and so that made it you know that is such an interesting when you have a one to one. And this mm-hmm. is the, I to my knowledge really I feel the first episode where we've had a direct one to one to one in which we have three movies in which their basic story structure are exactly the same um, and the and the, and to be able to d- dissect them and um, you know talk it out I think was a lot of fun and and you know we had some slight disagreements which is always fun too so uh, if nothing else like I you know I' ne- I had never seen the faculty mm-hmm. or Night of the creeps prior to this um, and I I would say... You know, if you haven't seen both and you like horror movies, even though I'm like pretty mixed on the two, but enjoyed one more than the other, I would still probably recommend watching them. Like, you know, if, if you have time, um, you know, they're worth a watch um, if you're, you're into this sort of thing. And then Slither, if you, if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, I would recommend people seeking it out. You know, I know James Gunn has had a lot of, you know, people singing his praises lately because The Suicide Squad just came out this last month and it got, like, you know very very good reviews um which is also a fun movie mm-hmm. as well but i do i do I, as much as i did enjoy that movie uh, i guess maybe the last thing i would say neither here nor there i would love to see james gunn return to make like a slither but with like a fifty million oh, yes. budget, with all his like with all his like marvel Please. money, like you know to return and make something like this i would love to see that maybe after the third guardians of the galaxy movie he can go back to that i we'll hope see. so
0: um yeah i, I... And I think it's also a good point I, I mean It's always fun and I feel like a lot of people I mean I know I've had countless Conversations like this before where you Talk about you know you come walking out Of a movie that you know you liked Or you, you didn't like and, and Or you know middle of the road and You're uh, talking with somebody who you went and saw it with I mean I know that we did this in Seattle a few times when I was still living over there where we'd go see a movie to the theater and we'd walk out and we'd go find like a bar or something nearby and sit and just talk about it and we would talk about you know what worked what didn't work what we think could have been done better and it's it's all hypothetical scenario and I think that's one of the cool things about this show when we're able to get the picks to align, especially I mean, in this case where we're get, we're able to get them to align one to one to one, as you said, where we can directly compare and contrast and say, you know, this movie that was good did this element correctly. And I think if you were able to transfer that that you know, that vision, that tone, that theme, that character, whatever it is, over to the other ones, it would have elevated it. And I, I think when we're able to do that effectively on this show, I think that's really kind of the—that's kind of the purpose of it. That's kind of the magic that—that's there when you're able to get it to work.
1: Absolutely, and I hope people listening feel that same magic. And it's not just us shouting into a void because it was, uh, this was a, lot of, a lot of fun. So uh, next week, I—I I don't think I—I I posted this on our socials, but I don't think I actually mentioned this on mm. the show proper. Um, so you're listening to this episode on August twenty seventh. Um, So we're heading into September, and so starting in September, we're moving to – I'm hesitant to say a new format uh, because we're still going to be doing our regular three-film good, bad, what within a certain theme category, subgenre, or filmography. Um, But every other week, we're going to be doing that. And then on the off weeks, because we love doing this and we still want to give episodes to our listeners – uh, it's just hard when you're watching three movies a week plus mm-hmm. <laughs> uh when when you have busy lives and day jobs and all that. We're gonna be doing we're gonna be alternating between mini sodes of of newer releases. like we did a little bit back, we did a, a Mortal Kombat one, we did a Godzilla vs. Mm-hmm. Kong one earlier in the year, and we're gonna make that a regular thing. Um just because it's easier on our schedules um to talk about one movie uh or two if we fit it into the mini sode. Um, and, and sort of shrink down the number of movies we watch a, a month for this show uh, and I think that'll that'll keep it manageable and I also think that'll even I feel boost the conversational quality as well of our main episodes mm-hmm. um, because our brain won't be so full <laughs> um, so with that we are going to start that next week uh, so on September 3rd we will do our first mini-sode in this you know new format and we're going to be discussing Candyman Nia DaCosta's uh, I think it's like... I don't think it's a remake. I think it's it's more like a, a sort of sequel. It's a
0: direct sequel to the first one, isn't it? I
1: think so. I think it. I think Disregard's 2 or 3 in, in sort of a Halloween 2018 way. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, we will find out um, when we see the movie, and we will be talking about it next week. Um, so look out for that. But... In the meantime, you can find all of our episodes on our website at thegoodbadwhat.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at thegoodbadwhat. You can email us at thegoodthebadthewhat at gmail.com. If you're feeling generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website, and all donations will go back into the show, whether that's to offset the cost of any movies we discuss or upgrading our equipment. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes, respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, if you uh, would like to, you can find me on uh, Twitter at THOChristo89, or on Letterboxd at C underscore THOM.
1: Absolutely, and I just realized I'm I am a massive fraud. We've been doing like 30 episodes of this, Chris, and I've been giving my wrong Letterboxd handle the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So, you could follow me on Twitter at Riley90. That's R Y O L I E 90. That is correct. But you could follow me on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver.
0: That's um. So if
1: any so if anyone is trying to follow me and be like, where the fuck is this guy? (laughs) I can't find him. Um, I apologize. Uh so you can find me at Ryan underscore Oliver. Uh thank you for listening. We'll be back next week for a mini sode on Candyman, and we'll catch you then. It's Miller Time. (laughs) Come <laughs> on.